0: Right. Hey. Am I on now? Okay. All right, so again, good morning. Welcome to those guys who are joining us online. So one real quick adjustment to the announcement video. So in the announcement video, we talked about the Life students tonight having their Fall Fest offsite. Well, that's changed because I guess it's going to be raining out tonight. So the Fall Fest for your kids is going to be here at Champs. So if you were bringing kids and you haven't got the memo, uh, make sure that you bring them here tonight and not uh, to the Courts where it was planned. So it'll be here at Champs Academy. The other thing that I want to do before we jump into wrapping up this two-part series that we did on Lament is just to talk about the weekend. So, if you didn't have a chance to participate with us in our night of worship, um, or if you didn't have a chance to participate with us when it came to the 24-hour prayer, we want to make sure to let you know how you can participate because it was an incredible weekend, uh, and we want you to be a part of it. So, the night of worship that we did, Worship in the Round, where we had an opportunity to worship together, but then also uh, pray over people who were hurting. It was a beautiful night. Um, and you'll be able to uh, get online this week, and you'll be able to see it through one of the links that we put out through our Facebook. So you'll be able to see that. As for the 24-hour prayer, you also will have an opportunity to uh, still do that, even though, you know, you won't go through the stations uh, upstairs. You'll be able to go through these lament journals. This is what everybody got. So everybody that came to the 24-hour prayer got a lament journal and it walks you through the stages of what lament is and it gives you the opportunity to to work through that and journal about it. So if you didn't have a chance to come uh, last night or for those 24 hours, we'd encourage you uh, to do this. Um, And then also if you're joining us online, there is a link in our app or there is the instructions in our app that you can go online and also do the same thing. And so I wanna encourage you because going into it, and we put this whole weekend together and we were talking about the night of worship and, and the opportunity for the 24-hour prayer, which was, again, for people to be able to come and work through, you know, their, their pain and sorrow or through their grief or just pray on behalf of other people. So we put all this together. um, One of the things that Jennifer put together was is that there would be staff here for two-hour time increments while people were here. So a staff member would be here during those two hours. And when she assigned me my time, I'm like, here's one thing, and I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna be around, but I'm not going to do the 24-hour prayer piece of walking through the journal because I felt like I'd complained enough about losing my wife you know, and I don't know how much more I can complain about and talk about what this was, and so I was at a place like, I don't want to talk about it again. I don't want to discuss it anymore. I keep bringing, you know, I don't want to keep bringing it up, but after last night, and I decided, because once I came in, I was like, I mean, for whatever reason, just felt like the spirit was moving, and, and I did it, and it was one of the most powerful things that I've ever done, so so thankful that I allowed God to, to work through because I was able to work through some things that possibly I hadn't, or at least just sit through some things that maybe I hadn't allowed to be processed yet. And so if you haven't had a chance to do it and you're like me and you, you felt like you've said enough, give it a chance. You know, I think it'll be an opportunity for you to be able uh, to work through some things. And or if you are somebody that... Um, maybe doesn't have that hurt, you're not working through anything, one of the things that we want you to do after the service is to be able to come up here. These are the prayers of lament that were written uh, last night and uh, or during the 24 hours of prayer. And one of the things that I said is when I got up and I walked over there and I read these, I mean, it was like overwhelmed with two feelings. One with great grief that there's that much pain in this world still, Right? And there's that much injustice in this world. There's that much mistreatment that all of these things of unfairness are going on. But the other thing that I saw in it, but God is still good and he is still working. He's still transforming the lives of people. And so when you read these prayers, you're going you're gonna to find yourself, number one, still seeing that God's alive and doing amazing things. And also, it's going to give you the opportunity to learn to pray for other people, right? other people that are hurting, because maybe you've forgotten, but there's still a lot of hurt you know, in the world. So we'd love for you to do that after the service. Come up. If you haven't participated, you can grab one of these at the Welcome Center or Connection Center. I don't think it's called the Welcome Center anymore. The Connection Center, when you walk out, you can grab one of these. Jennifer will get you one of these. If you're online, uh, go, to our, uh, go to our app, and on there it'll give you instructions how to be able to go through it. All right, so we're finishing up this two-part series with this whole weekend that we're doing on Lament. And if you're like most people, when you heard us talk about this idea of lament, a lot of people are like, What does it mean? I've never heard it before. And so I want to give you a brief description of what lament is, but then also give you a challenge of what I hope that we can finish up today with. So, lament is this scriptural prayer or scriptural time between pain and hope, right? So, there's like, We're in pain. We haven't received hope, but in the in-between, what do you do? And how do you address God? And how do you bring, you know, your cares and your concerns and all of those things to Him? So it's finding that peace in between, which is lament. A time for you to be able to talk to God. A time for you to be able to, you know, complain to God. A time for you to be able to bring your request to God. And a time for you to put it all together. And the thing that we want everybody to realize If you have never felt the process or worked through the process of lament, it's really hard for you to then see the joy of Christ, right? Like, if you haven't allowed yourself, I'm not saying you haven't seen the joy of Christ, but if you haven't allowed yourself to sit in the pain, sometimes you miss the true joy, right? Like, it's okay to sit in the pain, and it's okay to sit in the journey of brokenness so that the deliverance that comes through Christ is that much better, right, once you unpack the pain. So, hopefully what each one of you will learn through this is two things. One, it's okay to sit in your pain and unpack it and let God be God. You know, and you don't have to have answers for everything. and You don't have to have it all, you know, put together. And it's okay to be broken and it's okay to be messed up. It's okay to not have life the way that you want it to be. You know, God's not surprised and he's there with you. But at the same time, he's saying, but in this, I want you always to be looking towards me. So as you walk through this brokenness, it's not just a brokenness where you keep your head down, but a brokenness where you keep your head up and you keep it focused in the right direction. And on that journey, you will come out on the other side different. That's one thing. The other thing that I hope that you will learn through this is if you're not going through a season of pain or lament right now, I hope that you will feel compassion for those who are, right? I hope that you will remember that inside of this world as Christian people, we are to have compassion on our family and the people that 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 are going through these struggles and so we learn to pray with and together with people who are struggling and or that you will prepare yourself because if there's one thing that I can guarantee you and I know this isn't the news that you want to have in church today but you're going to go through a season of pain if you've never experienced it there's something coming because the one thing that he guarantees us is that inside of scripture so if you have a bible turn to Acts 16 that's where we're going to be today I want to give you a brief overview of what we're going to try to get done um, inside of this. So, it's going to be Acts 16, 16. And Paul, if you guys remember who Paul was, so Paul was a missionary. But before he was a missionary, he was a persecutor of Christians, right? So, Paul, a persecutor of Christians, met Jesus on the road to Damascus, gave his life to Christ, and decided that as a follower of Jesus, I need to reach the world his ministry was to the Gentiles. So outside of the Jews, it was to the Gentiles. And he said that I'm going to go out and I'm going to go on these missionary journeys because People need to hear about the news that I heard, right? I met Jesus on the road. I need to tell other people about Jesus. He transformed. If he could transform Paul who persecuted and killed Christians, then he can help you or he can help transform your life. So he goes out on the first missionary journey and he goes into a lot of these places and he is reaching people, right? Tons of people are giving their life to Christ. Churches are getting planted. The gospel's being spread. Amazing things are happening. Paul gets back, shares with his brothers and sisters in Christ the amazing things that were happening. Like look at all of these things that are happening and that's what you see in some of the epistles that you read. So you know, Corinthians and uh, Philippians. And those are parts of his missionary journey. Like he went out, he planted a church, and this is the story about the church or the story about the city that happened. So anyway, so he goes on that. When he gets back, he decides, I should go on another missionary journey, right? Because my life is about reaching people. So he wanted to go out on a second missionary journey. On his second missionary journey, Paul had an inkling of where he wanted to go. So Paul wanted to go to Asia, right? That's where he wanted to spend his time. He felt like that's where he could have the most effectiveness. So, he wanted to go to Asia, and as we know, reading through the story, as he started to go to Asia, he got a bunch of roadblocks, right? So, he thought it was the right thing, but in those roadblocks, you know, it started to push him back to where he ended up, which was in Europe, you know? And so, he goes into Europe, and while he's in Europe, something incredible happens. So he goes into Europe, and he's preaching the gospel, and he preaches it to a woman named Lydia, who ends up giving her life to Christ and becomes an amazing part of the church, right? Lydia does, and you read about her story later on. You know the funny part about Lydia? You know, even though that she was in Europe, she's from Asia, Right? So her story was she was somebody from Asia living in Europe. And because, Paul, and I, I want us to learn this because I think in the midst of this journey, sometimes we get caught up in this like I, like, I feel like this is the place that I need to go. And we keep pushing. And even though you go to the door and it won't unlock, you want to kick it over. Anybody else ever been there like, I want to go this way and I keep pushing on the door and the door won't unlock. Maybe I just need to push a little bit harder. And then you push a little bit harder and it doesn't come open. You're like, I'm going to kick the door down because that's where I need to be. God's saying, I got the door locked for a reason. And I know you can't see it. And I know you don't know it. And you might feel disappointed. You know, how I was talking about the disappointments in life. Part of the disappointments in life is you want to open the door and it won't open. Right, that's part of the disappointment. You go up to the door and the door is locked and you're completely disappointed because you know on the other side is what you want. Right? That's what Paul wanted. On the other side of the door was Asia where he wanted to do ministry and things that he wanted to, to, to have effectiveness in and he couldn't get the door open and he's disappointed in life. Right? He's disappointed that he doesn't get to do what he felt like God wanted him to do, but God's directing him to Europe. You know. And This is what we need to learn from it. Even though we think that that's the place that we're supposed to go. Or even though we think that this is might be what we need, you truly don't know what you need, but God really does. So trust when the door is locked to trust the other journey and trust the other path. Because what is on that other path is where God is. And on the other side of that door is where he's not. And he's trying to push you to the place where he is by locking the doors and blocking the paths that you were trying to walk down because he wants you over here. Does that make sense? So that's Paul's journey. So what we're going to read about today, and this is what I hope you're going to learn. In Acts 16, a couple things happen. Paul, and this happens in life, if you've ever went through like pain or grief, or if you've ever went through a place where you're disappointed in life, or where uncertainty of life creeps in, this is what you know. And maybe you guys can relate with this. Like, life is going along perfectly, and then all of a sudden, in a moment, the world changes. And it almost feels like life stops. Has anybody ever been there? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're going along and you're on this journey and life's gone good and you really don't have any roadblocks or any bumps and you're going along and then all of a sudden you get the news or all of a sudden something happens and everything changes in that moment. And what I want you to see is you're going to see inside of the story, it was the same thing with Paul. Right in the beginning of the story, God's working and he moved him from a disappointment into this and you know, Lydia gets saved and amazing things happen. But then immediately after we see that happen, you're going to see Paul move into another place, right, where life gets disrupted. And here's what I want you to learn today. What we do in the disruptions of life, what we do in the pits of our life, not only have an effect on our own heart, but have an effect on other people. How you journey through the disappointments in life not only will prepare you for the next stage of your life, but it could have a dramatic effect on other people. You know how we always talk about bad decisions have collateral damage, right? Like if you make a bad decision, it's not just about you and it affects a lot of other people. It goes the same with spiritual decisions. Spiritual decisions have collateral effect on other people. Right? Your decision, or what we're going to see with Paul, his decision that he makes in the midst of his pit has effects that are outside of him, right? How he chooses to respond in the midst of the disappointment in life doesn't just change where he is, it changes the lives of other people. And we need to be able to learn that. And then we're going to see the response of how the person who Paul witnessed to changes and how that can work through his journey. And my hope for us is that you remember this. So, Put this in the back of your mind. I hope that you get this out of today's message. Never forget that in the midst of your disappointment, pain, pit, distraction in life, you need to be on assignment. Because it's inside of that pit, that disappointment and that pain and those things that are going on in your life that God has an assignment for you. And what you're going to find is is that if you forget your assignment, then you're going to allow the enemy to win. Okay, so we have to remember our assignment in the midst of that. So let me read Acts 16, starting in verse 16. So it says, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, where we, met, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit in which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for, uh, for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul uh, finally Paul began, became so annoyed that he turned around and said, uh, to the, said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. So put yourself in a position. I always tell people when you're reading Scripture, put yourself in the story. Here's Paul, wants to go to Asia, right? Doors are blocked. He's disappointment. I guess, God, if you want me to go to Europe, I'll go to Europe, right? So he goes to Europe. He's over there, and I think the interesting thing, and I'm kind of reading this part into the story, but I think this is probably true. He's going around, and he's trying to preach the gospel, and it doesn't really say anything's happening other than an annoying woman following him around right? Like, he's going around, like, trying to preach the gospel, and there's this annoying woman that's sitting there. It's like, hey, (laughs) these guys. Hey, these guys. Because isn't that funny how he says she followed us around for days, you know, and she just kept saying the same thing and saying the same thing. And out of his, I think, annoyance, he turns to the woman and is like, seriously, that spirit, you need to leave her, right? And the spirit— Leaves her and she gets saved. And can you see like this is the breaking point for Paul, right? So he's going wrong. He's disappointed. He's not in Asia. He's in Europe. Nothing's really happening. Now he has an annoying woman following him around the city. And so he turns around in annoyance. And God can still work in the midst of your annoyance when you allow Him to do what He wants to do. And so he turns to her and he says to Lydia, "This spirit be out of you." And all of the sudden, Lydia is saved. Right? And, and if you read the rest of the story, that salvation transformed the lives of so many people. That one encounter that Paul had with Lydia and she gave her life to Christ, if you read on the story or read about Lydia, her life and her effect with other people was significant, right? So now Paul is seeing, hey, maybe it's not such a bad idea to be in Europe. Look what God could do if it's through Lydia and what else could happen? So you see how he's getting, hopes are up, life's going good, it's back on the up and up, it was kind of on the down. Now it's back on the up and up and things are going the way it's supposed to be and this is why I was telling you in life, you know what I mean? Like you're on the up and up and things are going the way it's supposed to be and then all of a sudden something in life changes and what we have to remember is is that as this up and up and when life does change, what we're gonna see is how our response is and what we should do with that. So here's what he says in verse 19. So now she's reached, she's changed, but now this is what happens. When her owners realized that uh, their hope of making money was gone because she worked for these owners who would go out and predict the future for people, and then they got profit, right? So now she's saved, so she's not going to be working in de- uh, divination anymore. Uh, so once they received their, or saw that their money was After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Here's what I want you to see. So here's Paul. Life is going good. Things are going well. People are getting saved. And now the next thing you know... He is not only told stop preaching the message. He's taken out in the middle of a square, stripped down of his clothes, and beaten with metal rods. Right? So, think of where this at? I was low. Now I'm high. Life is going good. God, why would you ever stop my effectiveness? Do you see how this is going? Right? You know what happens sometimes when you get in the middle of these things. You're wondering whether or not you can keep doing what God's called you to do. So he gets here. He gets stripped down. He gets beaten with rods. Which. I honestly think if you read Paul's story, that wasn't the issue for him, right? Because he had been beaten before. Like, first of all, how bad would that be, right? To be stripped down naked, and it's not like you got a spanking with a paddle. Like, these are metal rods on your back that causes wounds. Like, this is somebody who's going to be severely beaten. So he stripped down, severely beaten, and then put in the inner jail, not just in jail, like put in the inner parts of the jail, which is the worst place to be because it's like a pit and you're put in shackles and your legs are spread out, right? And, and at that point, nothing's comfortable, nothing's good. You're hurting. And so put yourself in Paul's position. You are having effect. You listened to God. You went where he wanted you to be. You started to see the fruit of your labor and now you're sitting in a jail cell. And now what are you going to do? Because how are you going to preach the gospel from a jail cell where you're alone? What are you going to do in the midst of that jail cell when nobody else is around you? He called you to Europe and now you're in Europe and you're going to have zero effectiveness, right? I'm sure that for Paul, like you, when you're in the pit, when you've been disappointed in life, or when you've went down these roads, you've thought the same thing, right? Or you have got to the place where like, All I'm focused on, because remember, this is the other part of it. All I'm focused on is the pain, the grief, and the disappointment. And I forgot what I'm supposed to be doing here. And so what I want you to see is something that you need to remember. And this is something that Paul gives us emphasis on all the time. If you're making a difference for the kingdom, the enemy's coming for you. You hear me? If you're going to go out and make a difference for the kingdom... The enemy is coming, and the enemy wants to make you, because here's what, here's what the enemy knows. If you're a saved Christian, he can't steal your salvation. But he can make it so that you're completely ineffective by only focusing on the disappointments of your life and the pain of your life and the problems of your life that you forget the mission of your journey. You forget your mission, right? He's going to say, I'm going to keep you focused. It's a jail cell. How effective can you be inside of a jail cell? How effective can you be because you lost somebody? How effective can you be when you have relationship strains? How effective can you be when you have financial collapse? How effective can you be when you feel like damaged goods? How effective can you be? You hear what I'm saying? Like, do you hear the lies that Satan brings into the people who have been disappointed in life and pain has come? How effective could you really be? And really, you need to focus on yourself. You need to to think about yourself because you got to get yourself back to where you need to be. And in the midst of all this, we see Paul's response. It's so important because the one thing that Satan's going to do is try to distract you. And in that distraction, you're always going to try to focus on your situation and you. And here's the one thing that I don't want us to forget. And I know all of us know this, but let me remind you of this. While you're on this earth... Know that the time that you've been given, you're going to be held accountable for. You're going to be held accountable for the time that you've been given on this earth. You're going to stand in front of Jesus Christ someday and you're going to give an account of your life. And you know what that account is about? What did you do to bring people to me? It's not whether or not you got yourself out of the pain and felt comfortable. It's not whether or not you became a better person. It's not whether or not you made it. But how did your journey affect other people? Because that's the one thing that Satan could do. He'll never take your salvation, but he could take your effectiveness in this world. And I think it's happening right now with people that are journeying through disappointment and pain and loss. Where he's saying, fix yourself fix your journey, stay in this hole, keep looking at your situation, don't ever look up, because when you look up, you're not going to just see that there is a Lord that will deliver you, but you're going to see a Lord that will use you. When you're going to look up, you're going to see the one that's going to deliver you, but at the same time, you're going to see how you're going to be used to deliver other people. But when you find yourself in the midst of that pain, and so so Paul, in this journey, we have to know this, is that he had to get focused on but God can still use me. I'm still on mission. This situation environment doesn't make any sense, but God must have a plan, right? His response to all of that was critically important. And so here's what I I want you to see. So we're going to set up a video here for you. So a lot of you guys know uh, Nichelle, who's been our worship leader. She's worked with us for 10 years, and in the midst of our journey, it's been really cool because Nichelle has been here through the times where we weren't sure if Life Church was ever going to make it. You know, to be able to see like God's using Life Church in some you know pretty cool ways, um, and Michelle is going through you know some transition in her life, and in that transition, you know this whole idea of you know where she's at and where God has her and how she's journeying through that goes a lot with what we're talking about in the situation uh, with Paul. So I want to take an opportunity for you guys to watch this video. So, Nichelle, we're going to take a little bit of time, talk through with us your uh, adoption journey, because it was a, you know, a special time, you know, where a lot of people were praying for you through those times, and, you know, maybe the timing wasn't exactly what you wanted, but tell us a little bit about your adoption journey and how God worked through
1: that.
2: Yeah, um, so when we initially started pursuing adoption in January of 2018, um, one of the very first things that you have to do is fill out a lot of paperwork um, once we got placed with like our agency. Um, And, you know, we go through a list of preferences of, you know, things that we'd be open to. And, you know, they really encourage you to like not commit to something unless you're going to fully commit to it. And so um, when Josh and I got to the, um, the portion within the preferences, uh, paperwork of race or ethnicity, um, we paused If you're gonna be open to raising a child of color and you live in a predominantly white community, um, (laughs) you need to be able uh, to consider, like to give them the best, you need to be open to moving to a diverse community or being plugged into a diverse community. Um, And so initially when we filled out our preferences, we actually uh, did not, um, we were not open to all races because we were not able to commit to that. But then it was a couple months after we had initially made um, those preferences that there was just this stirring from the spirit um, within myself Um, and Josh and I continued to have that conversation and um, so we decided that we were going to be open to um, adopting um, a child of any color. Um, But with that, we knew that if that were, uh, if we were given that opportunity, that our lives would have to change in drastic ways. Um, And so we continued to keep moving. And as you all know, we waited for a very long time, much longer than what we anticipated. And so um, it was the Monday before Thanksgiving last year in 2020 um, that I got a phone call from our adoption agency. It was the call, and they told us all the things about um, this um, couple who were interested in us adopting their child, Um, and, uh, they shared with us, you know, amongst all the other things, um, that it was going to be a black child. And, um, so I went home and I shared the news with Josh and we were so excited at first, but then I would say probably even like an hour after that, like when we got to process and celebrate together, there was this automatic uh, or immediate grief that hit because we knew, um, from that conversation we had years ago that, we are going to have to let go of some things. One of the things being a part of Huntington, like this community. So yeah. So December 16th, we got the text from his uh, first mom that she was going to the hospital, and so we, you know, went and um, got to spend that first day with him, and you know, continue on into you know. Parenthood, which we'd been praying for for years. And it just was so amazing, so great. Um, we got home, and the first couple of months while I was on my maternity leave, it just was like, oh, I was over the moon. So great. Um, it was such a great experience. Um, but as time got closer for me to come back to work, um, Josh and I had to revisit the conversation we had years, years prior because, granted, uh, or you have to re- realize that when we got our phone call back in november we'd actually have that discussion of like you know what this means like but we both knew what it meant without actually having the conversation so um so as life was going back to normal we knew that we needed to have that conversation and start planning out what that would look like for us and so um after a lot of conversation um and discerning like we decided that, um, in the spring of 2023, we would relocate to Fort Wayne, um, uh, which would be, you know, a diverse community, so would be close to Huntington, so we could still can stay connected to our relationships and such. Um, but, uh, we felt as though it wasn't, it wouldn't be honoring to what God had called us to if we would just kind of like be half in. Like we knew that that would mean that if we were really trying to pursue diverse community, which we felt like God was was asking us to do for our son, that we would have to let go of a lot of things, including my position here at Life Church, um, because the greatest uh, the greatest calling that God has placed on my life, um, besides me following the Lord was to raise up my child to love the Lord. And it is so important after, you know, the research that I've done, that, that he be in a church community where he sees people that looks like him that are worshiping. Like, I want him to see his identity um, as we all know that we're all made in the image of Christ. But if he's not seeing anyone that looks like him, how is he supposed to? Will he feel like he, you know, is of, of God as well. And we needed to be fully committed. Um, but that's been really hard, um, because I don't want to leave. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want to give that up. Like I've loved being here over the years.
0: Well, I know the first time you came and back after maternity <laughs> leave, she's like, I have something to tell you.
2: <laughs> you knew immediately. <laughs> you
0: know? and so, but when you did, I mean, the, the interesting part of yeah. you mm-hmm. saying it is, is most of the times you have that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, things haven't been going exactly the way I wanted them to go or things aren't working out, where for you it was, things are working out incredibly yeah. well, I'm at a great place in my season of ministry, Yeah, but I'm going to have to give that up to be able to move on yeah. to what you feel like is from a calling to a greater calling.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's the most challenging part of this season. And, you know, as we've been spending this last week looking at lament and grief, um, sometimes, like, those moments happen by letting go of something that's really good. Like, there's nothing that is within this job or specific, like, there's nothing that's like, I don't like this, and so we're out of here. And in some ways, it feels like that would be much easier. (laughs) Like, if I was, like, heading out on bad terms, but, like... I see the ways in which God is moving at Life Church and I so badly want to continue to be a part of it. Like I don't want to let it go, but like that's what God has for me. And it's it's hard. You know you say um letting go of something great for something greater. And it's and I I'm hopeful and I believe that that's true, but like I'm letting go of something that I have no clue for. Like you know as we share this news, like I don't have a job lined up. Like we don't know what area of Fort Wayne we'll move to or, like, all of those things. Um, there's a lot of details that are unknown, uh, and that's terrifying for me.
0: Well, and I think it's good for everybody to hear, though. I mean, two things inside of this is that, one, you've done this for the past 10 years. Yeah,
2: it'll be 10 years 10 this 10 years spring. of
0: working for Life Church, where you're listening to the Lord, right? So we can all learn of, like, even in the midst of when things are going really good, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that God doesn't want something So Sometimes our ears are only open when we're broken Mm -hmm. or hurting or wanting, but when our ears are open, even when it's good, then God can really do some amazing things, you know, through that so we can learn that. And then also just like you're talking about through the lament season, it's, you know, you're letting go of something that's not like, you know, I want to get rid of it, but it's something really good. It's Mm -hmm. been really good. And part of the grief is over how good it's been. Yeah. and how God has done
2: amazing Yeah, this work. overwhelming sense of gratitude. Yeah, yeah. And being, being so grateful that the Lord allowed me this time, because it hasn't always been easy. No. <clears throat> but the, but God kept me here.
1: <clears throat>
2: and I I told myself, because during the seasons in which I wanted to walk away because things were hard, um... I, I went back to this like God but God hasn't called me away and so I think I just always assumed that like I'd get to this place where um you know if I were to um, leave life church it would be this like this like I feel really content of walking away right right <laughs> and that's just not the case because you I through love the, what I do and you've
0: been through the. The years, oh past, yes, right? the difference between <laughs> years past to what God's doing today. It's not that He wasn't always moving; it's just sometimes we didn't see it, we yes. right? didn't understand it. So now you're kind of experiencing the fruit of your labor, yes. which is, you know, kind of that thing that you're really good at. And I think it's something too that we can highlight is, is that throughout your ministry, yes, it's been about, you know, doing the best we can from a worship perspective and how God's going to use you per- personally, but it's also about building up a team. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, you've been really good about saying. Yeah. You know what? At the end of the day, we're all just cogs in the wheel. You know, oh, we're yeah. all just trying to figure out what God wants for us. And so you've done a great job of raising up leaders, you know, inside of your team. And that's part of this transition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, as, as we are transitioning through this and working through all of the, you know, missing Nichelle at the same time, you know, you're really on board of helping Life Church continue to transition. So talk to us a little bit about the transition that's going to be happening
2: yeah and so when I met with you back in March when I first came back and shared the news, <laughs> um you know we started having conversations as to what was next. I'm telling you a year plus in advance, <laughs> which I know it's not normal, but I care about Life Church, and I want to give you and the elders plenty of time to be able to figure what's next and so, if someone comes on before them that and I need to step away early, I can do that. Like, I want what's best for Life Church, and let's just allow God to kind of move within this. And um, as we started um, having conversations, one of the things that we've always loved to do is hire from within because we feel as though it's been challenging. Um, one of the more challenging pieces about Life Church or working for Life Church is understanding the culture because it, it functions very differently than I think, you know, outside, you know, Job or a secular position or even, an, honestly, a traditional church. Right. <laughs> and so um, so understanding culture is really important in order to be able to, I think, uh, be successful and fruitful within ministry. Um, and so the only person that I, like, immediately when you sat down and asked me, like, is there anyone that you feel like is on your team? I was like, the only person that I feel like is at a place where I feel like this could be something was Corinne Bates. And so she started the process of, like, just seeking out counsel, meeting with you, um, with her husband, Luke, and just gleaning all the information that she can, and then she began to wrestle with the Lord, and it was at the beginning of October um, that she sat down and met with us and said that she wanted to take my position, which I am just so excited. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so in this transition season, because nobody really knows the time of all this, we're just kind of going into it (laughs) with, here's what we know, here's what's really important, that we take a season to, you know, be with you, yeah. you know, and just be able to pray with you, to enjoy you, to have those those times to be able yeah. to do that. A season for Corinne to understand, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on. A season for the church to be praying for both of mm-hmm. you. And so talk to us about, as a church and as people who love you guys, yeah. how can we be praying for you and what can we be doing through this transition
2: period? Yeah. Well, as you said, um, like, there's not any, like, set in stone. Like this is when she's going to start. This is when I'm going to leave sort of thing. Um, but there is going to be a transition time. Um, so I'm not just like, Hey, I have two more weeks here and I'm out of here. So I'm going to be here for a little bit. We're going to, um, spend some time kind of just like Uh, me being able to kind of invest in her and mentor her and kind of bring her up, which is actually one of my passions. So I'm really looking forward to this next season um, here at Life. Um, And I think my hope um, for us as a church, one of the things I've loved that Life Church does, and um, we just don't have the tendency to elevate people. Um, Like we elevate Jesus. And as we go into this transition, my prayer has been that like, that the church will continue to move forward and not um, be fixated on me. Sure. Um, because while I have giftings and talents, um, I am not the Life Church worship team. Like, I am not. Um, and yeah, um, my encouragement too is that you would just love and support Corinne as she steps into this, especially because as we talked about, like, this is a huge risk for her. Like, she is taking a major leap of faith and being obedient to the Lord. And we as a community need to surround her and encourage and love her in that. My hope is that we just continue to keep moving forward. And like I said, as much as I I wanna be a part of it all so bad, I just know that that's, that's not what God has for me. And it, it's hard. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, I'm just so excited for where the church is heading. And I'm so grateful that I've gotten to be a part of it for almost 10 years. And, um, However long the Lord allows me to still be here, even if it's a couple more months, like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be invested. Um, I'm not going away. (laughs) Like, you know, I will be fully here, and I'm excited to finish this part of my race well.
0: So we wanted to share that journey with you for a couple different reasons. One, so that you could pray with them through the transition. So with Michelle as she's transitioning through, you know, going out, and Corinne on her way in, and be praying that God can continue to use uh, both of them in amazing ways. We wanted you to be able to be with us on that journey. The other reason that we wanted to bring it up is because it's what we're talking about, right? So everything seems to be going right now, right? So, the adoption journey, they, you know, they finally get a child. Life church isn't falling apart like it used to be, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm finally seeing all of this work that we put in. You're starting to see it come to fruition. Leaders are stepping up. Great things are happening, and now there's this transition. Where Michelle has to make a decision, and in that decision, in the midst of this uncertainty, because that's where she's at right now, she doesn't have a job, she doesn't know what she's going to do, she doesn't know how God's going to use you, so there's a lot of uncertainty that goes with that. Michelle has to make a decision. What am I going to do in the uncertainty? And we have talked about this, and this is what Paul's saying. You have to stay on mission. Because even in the midst of uncertainty, you can't get distracted so much about the uncertainty that you lose the mission and what God's going to do. And that's what she's talking about is, I want to be on mission through all of this. Now, he goes on in 25 and talks about then what happens inside of the jail cell. So, now that he is reminded that he needs to be, you know, on mission, but he's in jail, in verse 25, it says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So real quick, when we look at this, nobody would have expected in the best circumstances that somebody that just got whipped out in the middle of a a town square and put into a jail cell wouldn't be upset. Like all of us would be just okay with that. Like if you were looking at your own journey and people were looking at what you were going through, they're like, I get it. It's okay. You can stay in that place. I would never expect you to be happy right? I wouldn't expect you to be joyful in this situation, but here's what I want you to see. As Christian people, our response to grief, pain, and uncertainty should be unexpected, not expected. You hear what I'm saying? Because it's in the midst of our journey of how we respond to grief being unexpected, it transforms a world who is looking at you the way that you respond to respond in an expected way, right? Resp- they think that you should be a certain way. In fact, I've said this through the grief process and even watching other people go through the grief process is Sometimes I think it's hard for the world to accept Christians who grieve with hope or Christians that are saying, like, I get it. Like, this is devastating, but I'm on a mission. Like, I'm going to keep going, and they're like, you really aren't sad? Like, you should be sad. Why aren't you sad? Shouldn't you still be, you know what I mean? Like, why aren't you still going through this process? You know, and I think sometimes even we as Christian people want to look around, and we want the expected result, because we don't think that that should be able to happen in the life of a person, right? And an expected or an unexpected response is what you get from Paul. The guy's singing hymns. He's got a bloody back, bruised, beaten, chained, uncomfortable, and what does he choose to do? Worship while he's waiting. That's what he chose to do. Because sitting inside of that jail cell, there was no something good's going to happen, right? So he's waiting on God. And you know what that's what the, the whole grief and pain journey looks like as you're waiting. You're in the midst of it, you're waiting for God to do a new thing, but He hadn't done a new thing yet. So what are you going to do in the midst of waiting? Paul says you should worship while you wait. Why? For two reasons. One, if you worship while you wait, there's something healing that happens inside of your body, right? There's something that happens inside of your heart when you can worship while you're waiting on God because you're coming out of the pit that Satan wants to keep you in, because Satan doesn't want you to worship while you wait. Satan wants to keep you looking down while you wait. God's saying, while you're waiting, look up. You might still be in the pit, but look up, because you're going to see me And you're going to see the deliverance that's ready to come, right? And you as a Christian person have to see that. Don't let Satan make you look around at your four walls and in your jail cell and keep you focused on everything that's around you. Look up and see the Christ that has saved you and the one who's going to deliver you, right? That's what you need to be able to see. And here's the other reason that you would do that. The rest of the world's watching, Inside of that jail cell, it says they were singing, and guess who was listening—the rest of the prisoners. And what do you think their response was? I would have thought they like they're crazy. Did somebody bring them alcohol, right? Because there's no way that somebody's going to be singing in a jail cell unless there's something wrong with them. And so, what I want you to see is it's raising this awareness to the people that are around them, like how can you worship? while you're waiting, which, when we see this in here a second, allows questions to be talked about that gives us opportunities that we would never have. And here's how it goes on in verse 26. Verse 26 says this, "...suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose." The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here, right? So two things out of this. So all of a sudden now, God's responding to Paul's worship, right? What was was God's response to Paul's worship? Paul's chains have now fallen off right? Paul has now been delivered. Paul has now been brought up out of the pit. Everything that he was looking at is now coming true. But here's what I want you to see. How Paul responded in the midst of his deliverance. The jailer, right? Because the jailer who was not in a pit suddenly is now in a pit. Did you see that? See, the jailer, everything was going good with him because he was a Roman jailer and he's got these people in jail and nothing's going wrong. Do you know what happens when you're a jailer and somebody escapes from your jail? The brutal death that you as a jailer get is so bad that the jailer saying, it's better to just kill myself because the death that I'm getting ready to get is gonna be far worse than I get from, you know, than just actually killing myself right now. So now... Paul's been delivered, and a jailer has been chained. Do you see that? What do you do when you are delivered from your pit, but there are still people that are in the pit? right because too many times we as christian people like we've been delivered and we just take off and we want to shout from the mountaintops like i've been delivered finally i'm set free and i don't have this burden and pain and sorrow and you leave behind those who you should have brought with you because the jailer is still sitting there in the midst of the pit and what does paul do does he run away does, does he go on? Does he forget the jailer? No, he doesn't forget the jailer. He stays there and he's like, I, I, I want to show you something. And, and listen to what happens in verse 29. It says, the jailer called for lights, rushed and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, sirs, what must they do to be saved? Why would a Roman jailer, who never knew anything about Jesus, now ask about Jesus. Because Paul and Silas chose to have the unexpected response, which was to worship while they're waiting on the Lord. If you want a chance to preach the gospel to somebody, if you want an opportunity to, to further God's kingdom, live an unexpected life respond to things in ways that aren't expected by the world because when you do that and the time comes jailers of the world or people that don't know God at all are going to look at you when now they're in the pit and they're going to be like I need what you have. See, he didn't need it before. The jailer wasn't going over to Paul's prison cell and say, "Hey, I heard you singing about Jesus. Can you tell me about Jesus?" Because you know why? He didn't need Jesus. And this is what I keep telling people about being an evangelist. Being an evangelist means live unexpectedly and make yourself available. If you live unexpectedly and you make yourself available, God's already doing some work that you don't know anything about. Just be prepared when that person does need Jesus to be able to have the answer right that 's what we 're trying to do, and that 's what we see. This jailer is now because of not only that Paul was singing, and Paul didn 't know that it would have any effect, but now that the jailer's in his pit, Paul saying, "I want you to help you out of this and be on this journey with you." Then he goes on and he says, and they replied, then he replied, "Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved." you and your whole and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. Uh, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he came to believe in God, he and his whole household. So the band's gonna come back up. Let me give you what was happening here at the end. So a couple things to really pay attention to. So here at the end, Paul takes an opportunity, gives salvation to the jailer, but I want you to see how the jailer then responds because this is so important. Listen, for all of us, you need to remember that this journey in your life is not selfish. So the jailer comes to Jesus, and then what does the jailer then go do? I got to tell my family. This isn't just about me. I got to go tell my family. My family has to have what I just experienced, and I want them to experience the same thing. That's why I always say, Christian people, how is it possible that we don't want people? We're living in a world that is lost. Why in the world do we not want to tell people, give them the experience that we've had and the transformation of our life? Why don't we want to bring them on that journey? Because the jailer's like, you know what the natural response of being saved is? to tell other people about my salvation. It's just a natural response in the things that they do. And so there's cool how that worked, and Paul using in the midst of that and staying on mission and being able to understand, I can lament and I can go through this journey, but I'm going to stay on mission for what God has called me to do. So I want to finish up with this. So in the 24-hour prayer, everybody had an opportunity to write a prayer of lament. And I just have to tell you, when I went and read these, I told you this in the beginning of the service, it was one of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced, because I went and read these things, and it really stopped me in my tracks to read the pain of people. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you'll really open yourself up to the pain of people and not close yourself off and distance yourself from the pain of other people, it really brings you to a place that you just can't get to unless you allow it to happen. And so when I'm reading about the pain of people and I'm reading about the journey of their lament, but then in the midst of their journey, seeing that they still have their eyes on Christ and that they're still trusting the Lord to do amazing things. It was just so incredible to know that we can talk through the pain and we can work through the pain, but I'm gonna stay on mission. I'm gonna keep my eyes where it's supposed to be. Life can be bad, but at the end of the day, Lord, you are good, right? So I wanna read to you some of these prayers of lament uh, that were up there. And I would recommend that you guys come up and read some of these afterwards. But here's the first one. Lord, please listen to my cries and know that I'm trying my best. I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but every day is a struggle. My mind races with the what-ifs, the uncertainty, the loneliness, the self-hatred. I am so angry at these circumstances that plague my life. Why can't I just be normal? Why can't I just function correctly? Every day is a constant battle that I have grown numb to God. I want to be unconditionally happy. I want to be able to laugh and to feel joy without overwhelming sense of fear and anxiety. God, I'm asking you to restore me and to rid me of these earthly vain thoughts. Help me be truly kind again. And allow the Holy Spirit to flood my body once more, God. Teach me to see things your way. I trust you, God, and I trust your timing and your plan. I know all will be okay because I have you by my side, a father and a friend. Thank you, and I love you. I've asked for many years that, God, you give me a spouse when it's his timing. I just find myself getting impatient. I find myself jealous and asking myself, "Why me? What's wrong with me?" I need to remember that I have a job to do and that he has a plan for that he has a plan for who comes into my life. I just need to trust him in the midst of my in the midst of me questioning, "What's wrong with me?" Because I know that in his eyes there's nothing wrong with me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He has a plan for my future. I want a husband and children, but God's plan may be different. I just have to trust in him because his plan will be better than my plan. Lord, I need you. Struggling with this anxiety has been so hard lately. Not knowing what to do in uncertain situations has me very anxious. I know that you know, uh, I know that you know that And that you know that you can help me in this time. I don't know when your time will be, but I cannot wait to see the beautiful things that you teach me. Teach me how to cope, how to deal with the overwhelming feeling that I'm not good enough or will do something wrong. I know that you have heard my prayer and cries for help and that in your time, everything will get better. Here's the last one. Lord, hear my cry for mercy. Father, see and have pity on my hurting heart. God, meet me where I am, in pain but trying to be joyful. Experiencing the sorrow that comes with death but rejoicing in eternal life. Wanting to heal from mom's death but not even knowing where to start. Have mercy on my family, God, for we are so broken and lost without our beloved mother. She was our rock, steadfast, loving, nurturing, and always leading. Why did she have to leave so soon? Didn't she have more kingdom work to do here on earth? Our souls are in anguish and struggling to trust that there is a good, that trust that there is a good in this plan. All I see is a mountain in front of me, a mountain of grief that I'm struggling to climb. If I could just hike to the top, I could see the other side of God's plan, what he has in store for me. But the journey to the top has not been and will not be easy. In order to climb this mountain, Lord, I'm calling upon your strength. Don't turn a deaf ear to my cries. When I don't hear your voice and encouragement, I slowly begin to slide back down the mountain I'm climbing. Hear my voice as I plead for mercy and healing teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Bring my family together and heal our broken hearts. Allow us to trust in your plans, for we know that you have ordered every step of our lives. Be our rock and fortress. Help us to put one foot in front of the other as we scale this mountain of grief. God, you are my strength and my shield. In you alone I trust You are my almighty fortress. You go before us and nothing can stand against your power. Through your everlasting love, you continue to fill my heart with joy, even in the midst of trials, in the midst of my life. I trust that you will lead me, guide me, mold me, and use me to build your kingdom during this difficult time of life. For Lord, you have created me for such a time as this. we stand so I can pray with you. Heavenly Father, in the midst of this journey of pain, Lord, we know that it's difficult sometimes to just express where we are, but we're thankful, Lord, that you've given us a practice to lament, that in the midst of our grief, we can still share our pain. But in the midst of that sharing of our pain, that we are going to keep our eyes focused on you, Lord, because you are the one that are going to get us up the mountain. You're the one, even though we can't see over the top, Lord, you're going to help us in the midst of our climb. And someday, Lord, we'll see clearly. But today, Lord, we're just going to trust you. Heavenly Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So for all of us, I mean, that's your challenge. Like in the, in the midst of our journey, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our disappointment, what will you do while you wait? And worshiping and the waiting is not only healing to your soul, but it changes the world. It gives hope to a world that thinks is hopeless. It gives healing to a brokenness that people will never understand until we worship while we wait. And so just challenge you as we go out in the midst of the pain. Help other people worship while they're waiting. Worship while you're waiting and trust God because he's doing a new thing. And he's going to do a new thing and he is going to get all of the glory. So thanks everybody for joining us here today. Thanks for joining us online and we'll see you guys next week.